Okay. So live on Facebook. It takes a minute. <laughs> okay. Oh, I just have to hit the continue button. All right, great. <laughs> um, it'll uh, take a minute, but it should show up on your side. Uh, share timeline, sharing group, group name. Coaches host engaging in profitable virtual summits. Next. I'm not sure if you can see any of this, but. Oh, I can't, no. Okay. But it <laughs> says uh, Zoom to uh, Facebook Live preparing live stream preview. Okay, great. <clears throat> there should be a go live button. There it is. Okay. Go live. Fantastic. Can you see it? It says uh, live on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, I can see it. Oh, hooray. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hello. So, this Thursday, I am here with Deborah Adger. Did I say your last name right? It's Ager. Ager. Yeah. So close. But I do <laughs> know that Deborah means truth teller. Th that what? Deborah means truth teller. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. <laughs> it's my mom's name. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. So I wanted to ask you about um, your online events, your summits, um, your adventures in hosting. <laughs> Can yeah. you, uh, where did you start? What was your first online event? I'm trying to think, I think my first online event was a summit that I held inside my Facebook group. And I was excited to have one because, um, because it brought a lot of really good, valuable information to the audience and um, and it was before there was software that made it a little bit simpler when it was before it was before there were a lot of things in place that just made it simpler, like the kinds of things that you teach people how to do and so on. So I kind of struggled through it. It was hard back then. But again, it was a long time ago. I don't want people to get scared off of ever doing one. It's just that this was a long time ago before things had made had been made simpler. So um, but I really enjoyed doing it. And it was really fun to bring everyone together. Okay. What's your favorite uh, summit hosting platform now? Um, I think it's, gosh, there's so many, there's so many out there. I mean, I've seen summits take place on clubhouse, which I think is really cool because then people don't feel like they have to get dressed up or, you know, you can just sort of be doing it in a, you know, you can look casual, but still be offering some great information. And <clears throat> I know there's some software out there like called Hey Summit, which I have not personally used, I love but I've hey used summit. it as someone who is in someone else's summit. And I know that it seemed like it made things easier. So those are a couple of different tools and platforms that are useful. When I was in your challenge, you made it feel like I was there, even though I was just in the chat. Oh, you made it so engaging and everybody was talking to everybody and still paying attention. I'm like, how does she do that? How do you uh, get people to engage with you? I try to my, what I'm trying to do when I'm on a live video is to, or a live video like that, where I can see the comments and everything, is to respond to what's going on in real time. And also to think through how to make the conversation happen. It's, it's interesting being on video because in a sense, it's a one-to-many conversation. So one of the ways that I like to make it seem more engaging is by asking questions and not just questions that are related to work, 
but asking people questions that will let people get to know other sides of them. So for instance, like in my Facebook group today, I asked people, it's National Dog Day here in the US. Not everybody in my Facebook group is from the US, but I asked people, hey, share a picture of your dog, your cat, or your elephant, you know, just to be kind of funny about the elephant. Um, unless you have a pet elephant, if anyone has one, you know, then of course you would share a picture of your elephant. <laughs> anyway. I saw that and I wanted to respond. I'm still gonna do it. I would Yay. like a pet elephant or at least one that knows me very well. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's not a very, that's not a business oriented question. And sometimes people get annoyed if they're in a Facebook group and not every question is related to business. I like to pop them in there because I feel like it gives us all a way to get to know each other behind our businesses and behind what we do for a living. It just makes it more personable. And so that can be carried over to the live videos as well. It's just always thinking like, how can I make this experience more personable and bring more of myself into the experience. So that's what I try to do. How do you uh, differentiate um, Facebook from LinkedIn? As when I see you on Facebook and LinkedIn, you're all about copywriting, business, and doing your thing. Um, do you ever get any uh, slack for that? Just keeping it purely business or, uh, well, you do have your fun things. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on Facebook, I use more of a mix of personal and business. There are times where I have more business oriented posts on Facebook, but I do share a lot of like, you know, last weekend I was picking up trash in, in, um, on an island in Washington, DC. So I shared some pictures of my friend and I um, picking up trash. And then I like to take pictures of murals in Washington, DC. So I'll share some of those. So those don't have to do with business. So I'll share things like that. Or if I'm, you know, out and about somewhere, I might take a picture of where I am. Um, and, then, uh, and then I'll share some business ones, kind of mix them in there. And then um, in, uh, on LinkedIn though, it's interesting because I don't know if anyone here is on LinkedIn and has had the same experience, but sometimes there are people on LinkedIn who say, I don't wanna see pictures of your cat and you know, I don't wanna hear what you had for lunch. But I think I can understand why people say that at the same time, I think that it's okay to talk a little bit about your personal life or not like the details of your personal, personal life, but to share some things that maybe you like to do or share things that you care about and you don't have to give up more information than you would feel comfortable giving up in a public setting. It can still be something that you would share publicly, yet also lets people know like what you care about. Like, did you raise money for charity? Did you donate something? Like we collected shoes for the needy. So I did talk about that on Facebook. I don't know if I talked about it on LinkedIn, but anyway, just like things like that, that let you that let other people see the things you care about and the kinds of things that you do. Yeah. I mean, they all, well, I've always heard people do business with those they know, like, and trust and how are they going to get to know you if you're not posting pictures about what you do. And I'm a fan of your murals. So. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm a photographer. Also, you take really nice pictures. Thank so, you. Uh, oh, that means so much to me. It's something that I'm working on improving all the time. So thank you. So um, you ran your, your challenge and it was on Facebook. Is that your uh, preferred platform for um, hosting events? Yeah, I do like Facebook. I think it's a nice, uh, it's a nicely engaging one. And because it allows you to do live video, then, or it allows us all to do live video, there's that option as well, which is lovely. It, it just, it, it allows you to do a lot that helps people with learning. So for instance, you know, just being able to organize content into what they now call guides inside a Facebook group. I yeah. think it's really lovely. Yeah. 
I wonder what made them change their names from units to guides. Yeah, I don't know. I sometimes I still stumble. I'm like, you guides. <laughs> like I'm still like <laughs> calling it the wrong thing sometimes. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna remember to call it guides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um during your challenge, you solicited some help. Um and I think they were also members of your um your group in Facebook. Yes, yes. So some of the people who come in to cheer others on are members of my stories at Cell Mastermind or members of another program I have going on. And uh, they'll come in because now that they understand more about how to create their content, they can help provide um, assistance to people as well. And so that way we're able to cover everyone who comes in and make sure that people get individual responses as much as we're able to. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Nigel's. <laughs> <laughs> He's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So um, when um, asking for help, did they volunteer or did you approach them? I have a lot of people who are afraid of letting go and um, giving part of their business to someone else and trusting them. So that's a really good point. So there's one person who um, does virtual assistant work for me. So um, she helps me with different tasks and sort of as a community manager. And then there's other people who volunteered to be ambassadors in my challenge. And then other people who just sort of did it naturally, like they joined the group and they sort of just did it uh, unofficially and that was fine and I loved it. So I think that that's wonderful and I really welcome having the help because I can't be everywhere to respond to everybody. And um, at the same time, when I first had the event, I wanted to be the person who was responding to everybody just so I could get a sense of where are people struggling is the material clear to them? But then once I got answers to that and I understood that people understood the material enough and that nothing was too terribly confusing that I wasn't expecting to be somewhat confusing or, or you know, that they would just have to learn. Um, once I understood that, then I felt more comfortable handing it off to other people so that they could then um, be able to help us all provide people with a really good experience. Yeah, I mean, I felt like you did a lot that one post you um, had us do uh, make our own post and then post it on several uh, social media platforms. And you went out to all those several social media platforms and responded. I was like, wow, that's yeah, dedication. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to support people. So I went through, yeah, I went through and if people posted it sort of like as a reward or a way to help boost people up uh, for people taking that step, I wanted to make people feel appreciated and that their content was appreciated because it's difficult to get your content out there, especially if you're just getting started. It can feel really uncomfortable. A lot of us can worry our colleagues going to think, especially if we came from a, some kind of corporate job in the background, we can feel a little funny being out there as a business owner when people have been used to seeing us as someone's employee. I, I felt that way when I started my business. Um, and I know that people still feel that way today when they're making that transition from employee to business owner. Yeah. I never really cared about what others thought. I did have a problem with putting out content and I just thought I was lazy, but you helped oh. with that. You made it seem like oh. it was simple and that I could do it. So. Oh, that means so much to me. Thank you for letting me know that. I, I hope you keep running your challenge. Was that the first one or one of many? Um, I've, I've had four or five so far. I kind of lost track. Um, and then, yeah, and then I have them, I'm planning to have them three to four times a year. So there's usually always one on the horizon from now on. <laughs> How long does it take to plan? Well, the first one takes quite a bit of time. It's probably somewhat like summits, you know, 
And then when you have a second one, you've got the foundation in place. So there's little tweaks that we'll make from time to time, you know, maybe adjusting the graphic, you know, the images or updating the workbooks, which I did last time. But I think each time, ideally, it takes less time to prepare for it each time because you get some of those elements in place. Okay. Is the, um, did you find that the workbook was necessary or that people uh, really liked it? I really liked it. Um, was, was it useful having the workbooks? Should I yeah, take well, time to make a workbook? Yeah, I think that if people don't have time before their event to make a workbook, I think that's fine. Then I would say just go forward because there's plenty of challenges and other events that work well that never had a workbook. I added it in there. I'm trying to think if I had it on the first one. I may have had it on the first one. I did. And ooh, it took a long time to get everything right. And then, you know, um, the first one is so crazy. There's just like a lot to do all at once. So it probably would have been a little bit smarter to wait <laughs> to, than to have it at the first one, but I'm still glad that I had it. And then as time went on and I updated my branding and so on, then I wanted to update the look and feel of them. And then also I'd received some really good feedback from people in the challenge, some things, just like a few little adjustments that I can make that would help them clarify what I was asking them to do. So I made those adjustments and then it just went so much smoother. So what I love about this process is that there's always the opportunity to learn more. And sometimes what seems clear to us is not clear to the person who's reading it. And there's always these opportunities to adjust um, to make things even better than they were before. So that's what I liked about the challenge. Things that I wrote I understood. And when people are like, what's that? And I was like, oh, why is this not clear to other people besides me? And that, that really helped. Feedback was great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So are you planning a summit or another online um, event besides the challenge? I know you um, said the challenge not... is always on the horizon. Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm looking to do it, maybe it's summit-ish, but not exactly a summit, is that I want to feature members in my Facebook group and to do member spotlight. So I haven't started doing that yet. I haven't even really reached out um, to anybody about it yet, but it's something that I want to add in maybe in the summer or fall to just sort of book some people and be able to shine the spotlight on more people and as well as helping people in the group get to know each other better. So that's something that I really am excited about doing. So that and, and the challenge. Another thing I like to do is, um, it's more like an impromptu, impromptu summit style, but in the past I've had these pop-up, um, what do I call them? Like pop-up coffee chats with people on my Facebook profile. And then I'll share them out to different places. Sometimes I download them. And then if they're short enough, I can just share them to LinkedIn straight away. And sort of it helps the people I interview increase their audience. It provides me with some really cool content and it's just like win, win all around. And I just love that. And then the audience gets something from it because we keep it focused on being very actionable so that there's useful tips and strategies that they can take. So yeah, so those are some of the other kinds of things I like to do. I like that. You um, recently had a post about leave a tip of what you do and have people guess. I thought that was really engaging and fun. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> Uh, another thing, um, have you tried repurpose.io? Oh, a long time ago I did. Have you been, have you used it recently? Because it's been a while since I've used it. I haven't used it recently, but um, I really like that it makes snippets. Mm -hmm. And I just found another uh, program called um, Perfect Recall, and it works only for Zoom. So if you have an interview like we're doing now, 
it makes, uh, you can highlight the words and um, the words will make uh, snippets of the video and you can make a checklist from it. I thought that was amazing. Wow, I'm writing that down because that sounds awesome. It's on uh, like AppSumo right now in the marketplace if you're Sumo Lane. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that was really neat, especially if you um, wanted to make checklists. I like checklists. I do too. <laughs> I'm writing that down. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, no problem. Happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you uh, get your speakers, um, is it theme first or do you pick a theme after you get your speakers for your summits? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think, do I think of themes? I think my general theme is business growth. And then I think about all the ways, all the methods and ideas and topics that can contribute to a theme like that. So it could be the more obvious things like how to get clients and so on. But also it could be less obvious, like how do we need to feel and show up in mm -hmm. order to have that kind of business growth or, you know, what do we need to think about in terms of numbers? So I like to kind of take a theme and then think of some ideas outside of the box that might not be done elsewhere mm -hmm. and think through like, what would really be valuable to my audience and what have they not seen somewhere else? You know, so there's a lot of certain topics that get covered quite a bit. And then there's other topics that I think aren't covered quite as often. So I try to find those, I try to find a mix of what people might be more familiar with, but then also to have some that are not so obvious or, or so available out there for, for people already. I understand that. I work with a graphic designers uh, a while and I did a lot with uh, mindfulness, but everybody kept telling me it's too woo woo. I'm like, what's woo woo about paying attention to what you're doing? <laughs> But um, I had to change the wordings and um, make it more um, applicable for them, for, for them to understand. Again, with me understanding something and me putting it out there and other people not understanding it. So when I did say stuff about um, how you feel when you're uh, working with someone, working with a red flag client, when you know you should say no, that made more sense instead of just saying be mindful of what you're doing. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Wording is important. It's, it's funny how um, things means uh, or one word would mean something to you and mean something different to someone else. It's amazing for me. <laughs> yeah. And you raise a good point about that too, about how some wording we hear a lot, but sometimes we've heard it so many times and yet no one really broke it down. I wish I could think of an example, but probably anyone watching this can think of an example, but like, like if someone says like, be more visible, but what does that really mean? Yeah. It, like I go stand outside and like, well, even at my neighbors, like how, you know, how can someone be more visible and like kind of digging down into what the tactics would be to make that happen. I feel like that's not the best example, but I've just seen some of these static phrases that I see. And I'm like, once I, once I, have more time to think about it. I'm like, oh, that's what they mean. But sometimes it's like, I have to see it several times. And then like, I never even really understood what they meant the first time, or I thought I understood, but they really meant something different because the phrase, the lingo that we hear out there is very standard sometimes. And it's been compressed in a yeah. way that makes it hard to access the actual steps that we would take. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I've heard that um, you have to 
put yourself out there multiple times and be seen seven times by the same person to be visible, like being consistent and uh, staying on track, asking your audience what they want, ask, I guess, asking them if they understand what I'm saying now, that, that would help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, you get your speakers. Do you ask anything in particular of them when you um, you interview them or you ask them to teach or train your audience? Well, when I do my pop-up coffee talk series, I usually ask the same four questions to kind of get things started. But then I allow room for us to veer off topic or to talk about other things. There's a few questions I like to ask just to make sure that we're providing actionable content for the audience. So one of them will be, you know, to share your best tip, for instance, like an actionable tip that they could take that same day to start improving something or use in the next week. And um, that seems like it's been pretty popular with the audience because they've been able to really understand what's what they're being told to do and then to see how that could apply to them. And I feel like that question itself gets away from what I was just talking about in terms of like, when we speak in big labels, people don't always understand us, but by sharing an actionable tip, people think the audience is like, oh yeah, okay, I see something I can do to improve whatever it is they're trying to improve. So that's something, um, so I asked them a couple questions, but we can veer off the topic. And I, I asked for like the regular stuff, you know, that we would ask for the picture, the bio and so on uh, when, it's, when it's relevant. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. And then, oh, if so, if we're sharing on if we're sharing on our Facebook profiles, I appreciate it so much when people are willing to share with their audiences. So that's something. It's not always possible if I have someone in my group, so that's fine because they can't share out. I think in groups still, but if it's on my profile, then we can both share, and then my audience can see them, and their audience can see me. And I feel like again, that's a win-win. It's actually like a triple win because the audience gets to benefit, and then each of us gets to benefit as well. And um, and it's also can be really fun. So, yeah, uh, that's one thing I like about your group is that it's always fun. It's always engaging. So I, I have to ask about that now. How do you find your audience? Let's see. Um, I find that posting on a regular, well, I haven't really done it recently, but when I post on a regular basis, that's something that I would like to add into my weekly to-do list. Um, is to post about my group maybe once a week. And that way new Facebook followers and friends can know that, oh, she has a group. And the other thing is having a banner on my profile that has a link to my group is really good because sometimes people will connect with me and then they get curious and they come join. Um, so those are a couple of the ways that I found really useful. And of course, like cross-platform, if you're using LinkedIn or Instagram or you're on Clubhouse or something else, talking about your community or your Facebook group um, mm -hmm. as a way to get people to go join it, join you there, join you and others in that Facebook group as another way to grow the audience. Yeah. So cross promote, be consistent with posting, let people know that you have a group. Yeah. Same simple. <laughs> Is there anything that you would add to that? Huh? Is there anything that you would add? Uh, what I do for myself to find an audience, I will go to other groups and um, I will find, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, a, a, a post about um, events. And I would add my two cents to that. 
Um, I like to go to the search bar, type in events, find the highest um, rated post or the most people in that post, add my two cents to that, um, or ask if they would like a lead magnet and uh, ask them if they would like to join my group or something like that. Or, but I mostly just add my two cents to the top uh, five highest rated posts. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's cool. And you can see that under events, you said? Uh-huh. Well, okay. it's in, you go to the search bar and you type okay. in, I type in events because that's what I like. Right. Like you, you might type in uh, business or copywriting, something like that. Oh, right, right. Okay. You're talking about a topic. At first I thought you meant, you know how they have events in Facebook groups? Yeah. I was trying, I thought you were talking about that. So yeah, I understand what you mean now. Okay. So um, I do the same thing with LinkedIn also. Mm -hmm. uh, go to their search bar and I can hit events, but I can type in my niche like business coaches and then go to events that uh, cater to business coaches and I'll, I'll connect with those people. Ask them, Great. can I have a connection? And um, it's not done yet, but I should put uh, a banner, like you said, on my LinkedIn to talk virtual and invite them to um, to this group. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so um, do you um, ever uh, pick up any sponsors when you host events? I haven't looked for sponsors yet. No, that's not something I've done. But I'd be curious to hear about people who have and the kinds of things that, that are done. Um, I did notice that a friend of mine had picked up a sponsor for an event series he has. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And I know a couple other people who do that as well. So it's kind of on the radar. Have you done that yet yourself? Haven't um, talked to any sponsors yet. Mostly uh, just me doing it by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I am branching out. I am also starting to let go and let other people handle parts of my business. So now it might be another step for me to ask a sponsor if they would like a platform to showcase what they do also. Oh, that's great. Uh, I had a guest, uh, Jimmy Newton, Newson, sorry. Um, he said, instead of sponsors, try partnerships. And I was really interested in that because I do like a lot of event tech and I thought it would be beneficial to maybe both of us if um, I showcase what I do or how I use their platform mm -hmm. or their tools, so. I'm thinking about that one instead of just asking uh, money for a platform. Mm -hmm. yeah, what are your thoughts? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just saying that that makes sense to me, what you said. What are your thoughts on charging speakers to speak since you're giving them a platform? Um, I haven't charged speakers to speak. Um, to Yeah, I haven't done that. There's some there's some avenues of thought that that say speakers should get paid to, to speak too. So there's that aspect to consider as well. I was on a, well, I was promoting an event and they did absolutely nothing. And as a graphic designer, I was appalled, but it meant nothing because they had 116 speakers and they all paid like $147 for 20 minutes of speaking time. And I was like, wow. <laughs> That was amazing for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wild. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess if like um, I guess if it makes sense and if it makes sense for all around and people and the speakers are getting something from that, that's great. Yeah, I know there's some podcasts as well that charge to appear on podcasts, like after they've built up their audience and they'll charge 
um, they'll charge people to come onto the podcast. So that's definitely another avenue for people to make revenue once their audience is, once their audience grows to, um, you know, a big enough size. Yeah. I, I could see if um, you started off with a big size, but uh, starting off right off the bat, that was amazing for me to find it. Um, you can just say, I have a platform you to, for you to speak on and I'm charging for it. And people's like, yeah, pick me. So <laughs> that's great. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, talked about speakers, engagement and um, platforms see what what about uh copywriting has helped you most when uh, promoting your event yeah so organic content has helped me a lot with filling my challenges mm -hmm. and i'm trying to think i think it was last year i got there were two times where i had 250 people in my challenges just from organic content. I didn't use any advertising. So I was like, wow, that was pretty wild. And it came from my organic content on Facebook and LinkedIn, primarily those, um, primarily those platforms. So, you know, if you did three platforms and you added Instagram, it could be even more, but that was a good number for me for my purposes, because I, um, I think it's good, at least for me, not everybody's the same way, but for having a challenge for my first time, it was nice to have 250 members because it wasn't too overwhelming. If it was like a thousand overnight, I'm not sure what I would have done, you know, cause I wouldn't have had the framework in place to handle that kind of influx. But anyway, but that's something I'm getting ready for in the future to do. Um, and then the, it's interesting because I made a lot of changes in my business towards the beginning of this year and I added a lot, I was making a lot, I was managing other people making things and there was just a lot going on. So I didn't have as much time to work on the promotion aspect. And I was kind of like, uh oh, I have this challenge coming up and not that many people are in it. So what I ended up doing was thinking I have to post a lot about this and to get more people in there. So I think it was in six days, I got about 106 more people to join in that challenge. And I really, put all my focus into it. And it just kind of showed me like what you can do when you're under time pressure. And normally I would never have done it that way. Like I wouldn't say to do it that way. It's just that I was creating a lot of new things and had just had become strapped for time. So anyway, those things are created and I won't have to do that again. So the next time I do it, I'll be able to spread out the promotion over a longer time period. Um, yeah, so anyway. I think content is really powerful. And sometimes people jump straight to advertising and paying for advertising because they think it's going to be easier. Yet I think it's also really important to use natural, organic, free content because that allows you to test out your ideas and to see how people respond to them before you begin to spend a lot of money on, um, on advertising. I hope you sell your templates. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Appreciate it. How long did it take you to make them? Um, let's see. Uh, I don't know. So I did it over kind of a longer, a long time period, but I have a book with some different, um, an ebook with some different templates and, and line by line breakdowns of how to construct the posts. I think it probably took me maybe um, a week or two to put it together and to proofread it and get it designed and everything. 
I'm thinking your project management skills are like really great. <laughs> I, I wish I had that much concentration and focus to uh, put the, those things out, know up front that I need a template that I'm going to use later and then repeatedly have a system for myself. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Systems are great. <laughs> yes. Do you create many systems for your um, business? It's funny because I don't even feel like I'm an expert at systems or anything, but I guess I do have some. I have certain things that I do throughout the week. And then I have certain things that I aim to do each day, which I do more often than not to mm -hmm. be able to keep moving business forward. And I tried to whittle it down to what was most important for my business. It'll be, it'll be different for every business. There's no magic list. You just have to figure out what works for your business. Um, and then sticking to that and seeing, you know, and then remembering that when I do that, that that's when things begin to happen, you know, and then when I veer off from it, cause I get busy or, you know, I'm working on a big client project. Um, then sometimes things can get a little bit, a little bit strange or a little bit wonky, I guess, but then that's where someone, you know, that's where I can delegate and have someone else do some of that. So that's what I'm working on next. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you um, choose the people you um, give part of your business to? Um, well, some advice that I got was, that I think is really great is just to write down everything you're doing and to see what is it that only you can do and what is it that someone else can do. There's some things only you can do and then keep those things. And then anything that you can give to someone else, think through like, how can you give that to someone else? So I'm looking at hiring a second, uh, I guess actually be a third, a third contractor to help me with a couple of projects. And I realized that, yes, I could do this on my own, but this would actually, this particular project would be really great to hand off to someone else to do for me. So, um, and I'm kind of, I'm excited about that because it'll get done and I won't have to do anything except for just check in. <laughs> and it's also really great to have someone as a community manager or helping with the, um, my five-day challenge because I can hand pieces over and now um, they know exactly what to do. And I've even created videos of what to do. So if they forget, they don't have to come back to me. They can watch the video. And they said that that's been really useful because there was a time where they were like, wait, how do I do that again? Because we only do the challenge three or four times a year. It's very easy to forget between times like, wait, how did I do that thing? So they have the videos now. I created video training. And so doing those kinds of things really helps save time. Like she didn't have to email me and wait for me to get back to her. She could just like watch it and then just keep going. So. How much time do you uh, spend making the video trainings for your, uh, your new people? It didn't take long at all. I'd say like the whole, all the trainings I made are videos that are way less than 30 minutes. And I try to keep them as short as possible. Some of it's just like showing people where to put stuff or like how to use a piece of software mm -hmm. and just getting them up to speed on stuff. Um, and it's just so much easier than trying to explain, especially when you're thinking about software where it's like you're trying to find the button and you don't want to have to describe like, then go to this page. It's like, oh, just use a loom. Loom is my tool that I really like to use. It makes it very easy. Um, and it's free up to like five minutes, I think. So uh, it used to be free for however long you wanted it to be, but now it's free up to five minutes. And even if you pay for it, it's not very expensive. Um, but anyway, but if someone didn't want to pay for it, you can just make really short videos, five minutes or less and have that as a way for people to um, 
find out what to do. There's a tool on AppSumo Marketplace. It's $45. It reminds me of Loom, but I can't think of the name of it right now. It's like, I love lifetime deals. I'm addicted to AppSumo. So <laughs> every time you bring up something like that, it makes me think of what's on AppSumo right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, what a great tool. What a, um, like what great branding they have that you think about it and everything. So it's good. Yeah, it, the addiction is real. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, fear of missing out. When uh, sometimes I hand over a project, I was like, could I have done that better? Cause I'm a stickler for graphics rules. And a lot of people tell me that uh, some graphic rules don't apply. Everything doesn't have to be even. It's okay to have some things to be asymmetrical. And I'm like, is it? Does it really? Do you ever feel that way when you're giving a project to someone else? Or you're just um, really okay with it? <laughs> well, some of the, um, I don't know about the design, so to speak, but I know um, I had someone helping me with setting up some elements of active campaign because there mm -hmm. are something in an active campaign called automations where you can send out a chain of emails at different sequences or intervals. And so having someone who was able to do that was really helpful. And what I tried to do was give the copy to that person as perfect as possible so that when I checked it, I didn't wanna be finding a lot of mistakes that I had inserted into the situation. And then, um, and then everything was set up for them to just sort of copy and paste into and then just check it again, just to make sure that once it was in that format, it was okay. So in that case, it wasn't really the same as image, images that might be, um, you know, that might be asymmetrical. The other thing that's useful is, you know, when I've had people do design for me in the past is they've, um, when people have created a guidebook for me to follow or for my VA to follow, then other people can create the images, but still follow the rules that were set by sort of like the head designer. Mm -hmm. And then that way everything stays the same. Like we're using the same fonts and colors and arrangement and that can, that really like saves our brains. It's almost a form of self-care in a way, because when we're always trying to decide like what color, where should it be, what font, like it just tires our brains out. And then we can't think of higher level things because our brain is so busy dealing with those kinds of questions. But once you have your branding figured out, then you have fewer questions to answer because you've already done that part. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Um, so when you're, um... Well, I just use design because that's my thing. Yeah. It's like when you hand off copy to someone, do you want them to explicit, explicit oh, I can't even say the word now, <laughs> just use <laughs> what you wrote? <laughs> or um, is it okay if they change copy? Um, I haven't handed off copy yet because that's a part that I love to do. So I'm, I'm like, I want to do my own copy. And because of what I teach, I feel like it's important for me to do that for now. But if I did... Um, if I did hand it off, it'd probably, I'd probably be having people go through my audio to listen to how I talk and to get some ideas from there. And then they'd be able to sort of just mimic me in writing. And then I could just go over it and make sure that they'd captured my voice okay. But even then sometimes people feel dissatisfied. Like students will come to me and feel dissatisfied because people weren't able to capture their voice because not, not every copywriter can do that, to be honest. Some of them insert too much of themselves into the copy or they kind of have like a one and done way of writing where it's like you can always tell it's them and not the you know it's not really the client but you can kind of tell 
this is someone else, you know, like, even if you don't know who it is, you're like, this doesn't really sound like how this person would write. Like, sometimes I see that. Um, and then, and then sometimes, you know, it hasn't always been picked up before it got published. So anyway, um, yeah, I think I would just sort of give as much background to someone before they did whatever it was that I was asking them to do. I've been handed uh, projects to promote and they've always asked me to uh, do my own thing. And I'm, I've always sounded like myself and not them, but I'm always happy to tell my experience with that person. So, but I haven't had any complaints so far. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I <hope>. that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, you, hopefully you'll have no complaints in the future too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when writing for yourself, uh, is it a good thing or a bad thing that you sound like you? Should you try to uh, at least be more professional or is it okay that sometimes I'm a little bit country? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome to be, I think it's awesome to be yourself and it helps you stand out from other people. And it's interesting that you say like, is it better to be professional? Because I actually think it's possible to be personable and professional, professional together and that you can find a blend of the two. So like overly personal might include writing about something we haven't processed yet. Or sometimes you, you know, anyone listening may have seen where people are talking about something and they haven't processed it and they're coming off as a victim as opposed to someone who's been through the situation and has come out the other side. So I think that there's times and times when we're creating content that we wanna be mindful of, we, we wanna sort of, we wanna take a deep look at what we've written and see have I personally gotten to the point where I can write about this from a somewhat distant perspective, as opposed to still being all mired in the emotion or, you know, coming off like it's someone else's fault and, you know, that I'm blaming people or something like that, because we don't really want to come off that way. And then if the answer is yes, that it's all been processed, then it can be turned into a story if it's something that you want to share. But there's definitely a way to share the personal and the professional and there's lots of ways to tell stories that relate to our work and that relate to the ways that we help people like for instance in my group we were talking about this and someone said he wouldn't share about vacations and i said that's interesting i found that a really interesting comment because i might not just on linkedin especially i might not share a vacation photo just for the sake of it like for instance i don't want to be like you know I'm in this cool place and I'm work, you know, working on my laptop or whatever it is. Um, I'm in this cool place and you're not. Like, I don't wanna say that, right? But, but if I'm in a cool place, like I took a vacation in North Carolina many years ago and I went to the Outer Banks. And so we went on a number of walks with, uh, with park rangers and the park rangers would teach us about the sky or teach us about the horses that lived on Ocracoke Island or something like that. And so, um, those would be those experiences would be ripe for creating stories that might tie back to what I do. Like for instance, when I was on Ocracoke, someone pulled out a poem by someone I happened to know professionally, not like my best friend or anything, but someone I knew professionally. I could write a little story about that, how out of nowhere I'm on this island in the middle of the ocean. Well, it felt like it was in the middle of the ocean. You know it's not really, but anyway, off the coast. And it just seems so random that I'm like, this you know, park ranger pulled out a poem by somebody I know about horses. And then she read about, she read the poem to us about horses. So there's like all these stories that are happening all the time all around us and they're personal, right? Because that happened to me personally, but it's not like divulging my innermost secrets or 
you know, it's not telling people more than they really want to know. It's mm -hmm. sort of trying to position something in a way that's interesting, in a way that will help people see something in a new way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I had an art teacher that was subbing for my history teacher in 10th grade, and she had us write history stories about ourselves. And she uh, told us that Americans like happy endings. So all of our stories had to have a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that, I, I think it's funny. But yeah, I do uh, believe that it's a small world. You don't know who all we all know. And it's nice to know by posting on social media that uh, you had a friend and you just met someone and they're reading her poem. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, and yeah, you never, like there's one story I told about going to the grocery store, a conversation I had with someone about something and then I tied it into customer service overall, just cause I thought, you know, it's so it's like even a trip to the grocery store can become something that you share. If you have some kind of interaction or conversation or you observe something, or let's say that you're, you know, as a designer, maybe you see package design is something that interests you. And you can always show like different package design, why you think one thing is better than another, why you think this would appeal to people more than another thing. So it's like a way to, to insert your expertise and your knowledge into, into an, a daily experience that people have. And then maybe next time they're at the grocery store and they're looking at the different kinds of um, rice or you know whatever it is, then they're like, oh, you know, this is kind of like what so-and-so is saying. And you know, and then they begin to see the world differently because of the content you wrote. I like that showing your expertise in your everyday life. Yeah, that's nice. I might have to do something with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, when your event is over, what's the um, after event like? Uh, is there still promoting? Is there like a, a last minute sale, or something like that? Yeah, so what I like to do, usually what I do is it, it it rolls into, and I'm pretty upfront about this from when people first join the event, I'll say, you know, at some point during this, I am going to tell you about my program, which is the stories that sell mastermind as of right now. And, um, but obviously no one has to sign up for it. I would love for people to sign up for it and join me. But if they don't, they can just get what they want to get for free and still learn a lot from that experience. And then a lot of people have told me like, oh, I learned so much and it helped me in these ways. And they never signed up. So they still get something valuable about it. That's what I love about summits, online events, five-day challenges, is that they provide a lot of valuable content, even if people don't proceed to a, a step, another step in the future. So I make those, I make that offer to people um, during the challenge itself. And then I follow up with some emails. And then, um, and then there is sometimes an after event or several after events where I'll have a series of master classes the following week where we'll look at we'll look in more detail at different elements that are related to what I teach. So we'll, um, sometimes I've interviewed students in the past to talk about their results, like the kinds of outcomes they got, the clients they got, and so on. Um, sometimes I've gone deeper on a topic, so I kind of try to mix it up to keep it interesting, interview style, conversation style, some extra teaching just to let people see more about what it's all about. I like that, um, getting the perspective of uh, people who've gone through the challenge. Um, I've recently seen a challenge with, uh, I think his name is uh, Pedro Adeo. He has a free challenge, but there's an upsell of $95 to uh, be on a Zoom call with him and a few other speakers. 
I thought that was nice. I thought that might be something to try mm-hmm. later on down the line. Yeah. What's your opinion on that upsells during a challenge? I think it's a great idea because sometimes people are ready to make that move and they want to get on board to get the result sooner rather than later. And, um, and usually like what happens is people begin to see that they get, like if your challenge is designed well, or your event is designed well, people begin to see that they're getting a result and they begin to understand how it's really going to help their business grow or it's going to, it's not always about business growth. Right. But, but whatever your challenge is about that, the person is going to see that they'll become stronger, that their brand will be better, um, that their business will grow, that they'll eat healthier food and make it in less time, whatever it is that the challenge is about. And then when people begin to open their eyes to that possibility, they're like, oh yeah, maybe taking the next step with this person would be a good way to go about it. So then putting that offer before them in a non-sleazy, non-salesy way, it's just a matter of fact, describing it and letting people know how I could help them. And then just always keeping them in the position of power in terms of making that decision, I mm-hmm. think is also really important. So it's not like about like, it's not about like being sneaky or trying to force people into it or trying to persuade people who don't have money to sign up. It's not about that at all. It's more just about saying like, here's what it is. And if this seems like a good um, match for what you need right now, then jump in. If, if it isn't, it'll be offered at some point in the future and you can always come back when it's a better fit or a better time, you know, so. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to ask. Worst thing that can happen is people say yes and didn't expect you to deliver on what you promised. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think we should wrap up now. It's been about uh, close to an hour. But I want to say thank you and um, ask you if you have any uh, tips that you would like to uh, let people share to let people know more about you before we go. Yeah, sure thing. So I think it can be really powerful when you're trying to write your content just to put a timer on for two minutes and just write about whatever and let yourself get free flowing with it. And those internal mean brain voices will probably show up. Just imagine that you're putting them in the corner with a cookie and tell them to go away. (laughs) And then just get on with writing whatever you want to write. Sometimes the best ideas come up when we just let ourselves get messy. So I always just say, embrace the mess and have fun with the whole uh, creation part. Um, And then also, I think that being consistent is really important. I know we hear that a lot, but I think like even if you can only post one little thing a day um, that's related to your audience, then do that so that people see that you're showing up as well as being a member of whatever community that you are choosing to be a part of, whether that community is on Clubhouse, LinkedIn. And by community, I don't mean, it doesn't have to be a Facebook group like you and I have necessarily, but it could also just be like, be a member of service to the people that you're helping, comment on their posts, Um, comment on their posts with real comments, not just thanks for sharing, but really like kind of try to hop in and and help people out in that way. I think that's really important. And then if you want to know more every month, I have an anti-boring copy roundtable, which is anyone is welcome to come join. So, and it's- I would like to encourage people to join the uh, anti-boring club because it is fun. It is not boring. It is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Deborah, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking with you today. Thank you. Bye. Okay, I am stop sharing on Facebook and